Welcome to the Stacking Slabs podcast. Join Brett to get the latest sports cards investment advice, hear from industry experts that are deep in the trenches, and find out when to turn left when the rest of the market is going right. Get eBay ready, get PayPal ready. Let's be students of the game and stack those slabs. What is up? Welcome back to Stacking Slabs, your hobby content alternative. It's Friday. You know what that means. I am bringing another conversation with a collector that matters. I got my man Joey at the E-Trader on the IG back on the program. He's a guy I go back and forth with a lot on Instagram. Always has a good mindset around what's collectible, what he's into, how he's operating. And I want to use this show as a platform to bring voices like Joey's on to help educate. I'm learning a ton. Hopefully you are too. If you like what I'm doing over here, hit the subscribe button. Most importantly, tell a damn friend about the Stacking Slabs podcast. Without further ado, let's kick it to the conversation. What is up, everyone? Welcome back to the show. I am excited to bring a repeat guest on. I got my man, Joey, at the E-Trader on IG. Um, I was just lamenting before we got on the phone call. We were uh, debriefing a little bit on the uh, Bucks and Colts game from Sunday. And I know Joey's a, a Bucks guy and a Brady's guy. So he had her rubbing in a little bit, but what are you going to do? Joey, how are you doing, man? Good, my man. Thanks for having me on again. I, I really appreciate it. Yeah. I, I think just like the, the punchline of this conversation for the listeners out there is, um, you know, we have these individuals that we communicate with regularly on Instagram and we chat a lot and I figured there's a lot of knowledge based on your uh, tenure in collecting and in the, participating in the hobby. So I wanted to bring some more of your insights to the show and hopefully the audience out there can learn something from you. I got to ask, have there been, any, before we jump into the stuff, has, have there been any recent acquisitions that you want to talk about? Anything that gets you excited? Uh, there has. I actually, and, and I do not use this term very often, the term grail card. I don't, I don't say that. I don't use it lightly. And when I use it, it, it's usually a pretty big card. And uh, I did pick one up recently. I just did posted it to my Instagram. I actually got it a month ago, but, but uh, yeah, uh, 2000 Tom Brady Bowman gold for, uh, so it's a very rare card. There's only 99 of them. Uh, it's just, it was out of actually Bowman, not Bowman Chrome. And it's just a pair. It's just a parallel of the base card. The only real parallel they had. And they're numbered out of 99 and they're a gold foil, not, not so much a refractor, uh, but yeah, super rare card, uh, picked it up through PWCC shout out to them and Brock, uh, with PWCC that deal wouldn't have happened if it wasn't for those guys. Obviously, you know, you just hear the attributes of that card and anyone listening inside or outside of the Brady, uh, market kind of, uh, I think perks up a little bit gold Bowman, although not Bowman Chrome, but Bowman. Gold yep. serial number Brady. Was that a card that just became available that you get got tuned in on, or like what was? How did you find out about uh, it? It being available was it something they publicly put out there? Well, a couple things. Well, first of all, and it's also a PSA eight point five, which is my favorite grade, other than obviously a PSA ten, right? But um, because it's a really, if they're always low pop they always have the attributes of a nine but they don't necessarily cost the price of a nine and uh they also you know they're rare you know it's hard to find and some of my top cards happen to be an 8.5 psa grade so 
when I saw that, I was like, all right, this one's for me. But to answer your question, uh, the, the, it was it was for sale in the vault, one of those, you know, really high priced cards that kind of sat there for a couple of weeks. And, uh, you know, I had messaged Brock and and I'd asked him about it. I said, hey, can you, can you reach out to the guy and see if we can make something happen? Long story short, he reached out to him and, and we, we wound up putting a deal together. Uh, which was great. And, and like I said, they, they helped facilitate, they facilitated the whole transaction and I was able to use some, some things I had pre-sold with them and it worked out. That's awesome. Well, congratulations on that. I yeah. think, uh, you know, the, the Brady market has just been, uh, wild this year. Um, I, you know, yeah. and I would, th- I would, I would say like, I guess, what would you, you just bought a big Brady card in a wild Brady market. Like was your mindset? Like, I don't care. Like I'm willing to, even though these prices have probably gone up from the last couple of years, I'm willing to pay now because it's available. And I know it's bound to go up over time. And this is my spot. Like what, what was going on in your head? Like, was, was it just like jump on the opportunity regardless of the, why the, how crazy the market conditions are? Yeah, a couple things. Uh, first of all, yeah, I, I said I probably said an all-time high, right? Um, and I was okay. I was okay with that because of the nature of the card, right? Um, and it's exceptionally rare. It's really unique. It's kind of under the radar because everybody, when they think Brady Bowman's best card, they think refractor, 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 which I also have, and I, and and is also one of my favorites, right? But uh this is just a little kind of under the radar card that people maybe have forgotten about or don't even know about um and it's numbered where the refractor is not numbered and i and i I said love the refractor it's also right up there with the gold but it, it is also a little different um and with brady and i've said this before he falls in this very very unique bucket of collecting in a sense that he simply does not have a lot of rookie cards. He has 44 rookie cards. Half of them, he's in a, a Michigan uh, uniform. The other 25%, he's wearing sweatpants. And the other 15 to 20%, he's wearing a Bucks or a, excuse me, a, a Patriots full uniform. Not even that. So those unique cards, and as, as the market kind of matures and the new collectors kind of mature, I believe that things like that are going to get realized. And the simple fact is there's just not a big supply of, of Brady's cards compared to everybody else. Right. Um, to compare because he wasn't supposed to be good. He was supposed to be a backup. Right. And um, he just, he, he wasn't at the forefront of these companies to promote their product. Uh, so they weren't pumping him out to sell packs. Right. It wasn't like Manning or, a lot of these other guys. I mean, they don't. They didn't even have to turn out to be good. There's tons of examples that you can use. You can use Kurt Warner, um, any of the guys of that era ish uh, that were used to promote the product and sell the product. And they've also printed two, three, four times more cards than Brady had. So, so I think that those really early iconic serial numbered stuff, low numbered stuff, is is going to fetch a premium. And you know what, Brett, if I'm wrong, I don't care. I love the card. It's awesome. Yeah. And I, I think one of the things I wanted to talk with you about that you already mentioned, or you, you tease there is just this mentality and of just, if you see the card, 
and you've got an at bat at it, like especially if it's a collectible card, like a serial number Tom Brady rookie card, um, gold. The mindset of just saying, I know what it went for last. And I guess here's a question back to that card. Do you know when, when the last time it sold was? Yeah. So a not, yes, a, a notch down in grade PSA eight sold for, I would say like more, a little more than half of what I paid a year ago. Okay. Right? So I paid a pretty, pretty nice premium for it, but uh, at the same time, a BGS 8.5 just sold for about what I paid. So I'm good. Uh, yeah, I love it how that all happened. So the uh, this idea of, you know, educating yourself on last comp, but it's almost like it, it almost doesn't, like how much does it even matter when something becomes available to you? Because I think uh, there there's been this conversation about comps and, you know, dealers get, you know, get in and say, you know, well, we can't just go operate off of last comp, especially on these highly collectible cards that don't get sold too often. I guess like, what is the perfect mix of like wanting the card instinct that it's going to go up and also like not getting too far over your skis when you're kind of setting the bar on, on the the new all-time high for a card? Well, it's a couple of things. Availability is a big part of it. Um, If you can't just reach back and go get another one, right, then, you know, the last comp being 6 6 to 12 months old means nothing. It really doesn't, especially in this market. And and, uh, now, obviously, there's different variables to each card, right? In, we're not necessarily when when you're when you're buying at all time highs when it's a card that is being motivated through other things like a simple example would be Jordan cards through the Last Dance right that that was just crazy you had this obvious tidal wave of new collectors and you know I feel like you had to really tread with caution through that market right um, but with things that are rare. You can't just say, okay, well, if one, somebody sold one on an e- a seven-day eBay auction for X amount of dollars, that doesn't mean the next one should transact with that for a lot of reasons. First of all, a lot of people don't like to spend and or don't spend big money on bidding on eBay because maybe they don't for a lot of reasons. And we had talked about this in one of my other chats is an eBay comp for an expensive card in an auction is not a good comp. When I say expensive, I probably mean like over 15 or 20K, right? In my opinion, for a lot of reasons, because people like to pay in different ways, not just with a credit card or through PayPal, right? They, especially now, people like to pay with Ethereum. They like to pay with Bitcoin. They like to pay with funds that they've already had in their account, right? Um, or they just want to send a wire transfer, right? So whatever, whatever the case may be, eBay doesn't really provide that flexibility. Um, so... I always, when I see the, that one comp through an eBay sale that's a bigger card, you know, that's not the end of the world or that, that's not the end all be all. You've got to look all over the place. Like, you know, Card Ladder is obviously a really great source. And now that, again, the market's maturing and, and it's bringing all that stuff together, it's a lot easier to find the comp now than it was even a year ago, let alone two, three, four, five years ago. I mean, it's, it's, it's gotten, we've gotten spoiled with it. 
Also, PSA's app does really well when you run the serial number. Sometimes it'll it'll bring up a previous sale. It's very helpful. So you, uh, how much of the like you are a collector? You last time you came on the show, you you basically said like I, I you know I don't sell much. Um, how I think there in the hobby there's there's just this there's this hot potato mentality where like people try to get into a player or try to get into a card. And their mindset is I'm buying this card because I want to hold it for, you know, the next few months or the next year, because my intention is to sell it. And I think that is like the the mainstream, like operating way. Like I just see a lot of people, that's how they go. But it seems like the people who are buying because they have a personal attachment, they're collectors, they've, they collect a certain player, there's a nostalgia component. And they hunt for a card or wait for a card. Like those seem to be the guy, the guys and gals that are rewarded um, down the road with higher gains. Like I would imagine the guy you bought the card from via the PWCC broker deal probably was holding on to the card for quite some time and saw substantial gains. Um, you know, you coming from that like collector's mindset, like how advantageous do you think that has been to like your overall like buying process um as opposed to like buying something to uh with the intention of flipping you know six months from now yeah so i i literally never buy a card with the intent to flip it literally never now i'm not saying i don't look for solid store value or an investment because by nature i'm a business guy right and that's that's just what i do who i am and and that's what i love the business side of the hobby right so I, but when I buy something, I'm, I'm doing the, my due diligence and research to say, or even when I'm adding one to my list, say, okay, do I believe this is a good store of value? Do I believe this will appreciate over time? Yes. Right. I believe that that's why I buy, right. I do not buy to say, oh, well, let me, let me get this. So in six months from now or nine months from now, whatever, this might happen. Then I could sell it and turn that into something else. No, that's not where my mind goes. Right. And you're right. From my experience doing this and, and almost any other investment strategy, whatever, whatever you, you're into, right? The long play is always the solid play, right? It's, you may not, you know, you may not, you may miss out here and there, you get FOMO, whatever, right? But the long play, especially in this, in, in this industry of what I collect, which is legends and goats and stuff like that, that the long play is it. Even when you're, you're you land a potentially good somebody who's like in the middle of their career that you really think they're going to do really well um the long play is also a good play for those types of prospects as well but in the end i'm literally buying stuff that i like and i want to keep right is is uh it was this card this this brady gold 2000 bowman was this a card that was on your list that you were, because I remember you talking about like yes. going through shows. Was this card on your list, dude? Yes, it's been on my list. And like it, it and this year I told myself all these freaking Brady's that I slept on. They were I'm like, oh, I'll get it next time. Oh, I'll get it next time. I'm getting okay. Like I'm getting them. And honestly, I think I'm missing. Trying to think. Yeah, I'm. I'm like, there's one I don't have that I that that I'm that I that I was that I had on my list and I was set to go, to go get. And I just kind of passed on it, passed on it, passed on it. Right. So 
yes, they, they've been on there. And, th- and that Bowman Gold in particular, dude, it's been on my list for like, it's been one of those car- four or five years that I just didn't buy. I didn't run into it a show or couldn't find the one I wanted. Because with the, the more expensive stuff, I'm really particular to where um, it's got to be in a certain slab, has to be in a certain grade. Like I wasn't buying one in a BGS slab, nothing against BGS, just personal, my opinion, right? I wasn't going to do it. Whereas on certain stuff, I will, you know, it just depends on, on how hard or how easy it is to find or how hard or easy it is to, to not find, right? Like when it's stuff that's not available. So I'd imagine just in your, so this card is on, on your list. You now have it, but the process mm-hmm. of uh, coming across the right copy uh, over the years, like you, you could probably like, if you took a step back, you could probably like document, like, you know, if someone was out there, you know, could document like hours spent conversations, like shows all this time energy that you probably put into finding this card. And then now you own this card, which is awesome. Um, that like, as you're, as I'm thinking through this, it just triggers this. Uh, um, and I, I can't help but think about the conversation that uh, Michael Rubin had on uh, CNBC when he was talking about the brutal experience that, you know, they're trying to fix at Fanatics. And I don't want to like necessarily get into like all the details of Fanatics and Crystal Ball and all that other stuff. But I do want like to get your perspective on just like, yes, the experience I'm sure was tough and brutal to get the Brady card that you have now. However, I feel like a little bit of that is like the joy of the hobby in a way. So maybe like just touch on that from just like a collector's perspective. I love the hunt, man. There's no, no, no secret that we all love the hunt. I I think all collectors love the hunt. We love checking for all the different platforms, especially now it's not just eBay, right? So like we're, again, we're, we're getting spoiled as things mature, right? We, we have all these different avenues to find cards, whether it's through group chats, through Instagram, through even Facebook. I know I don't have Facebook, but I know people buy on there. Um, obviously eBay, PWCC, we've got gold, we've got everything. And you've got every, almost everybody has some sort of login for everything. And we're all poking around. And that's what we do at night in our spare time. And at least I, that's what I do. And I enjoy it. I thoroughly enjoy it. And I know also, Brett, that some people, once they physically acquire what they were looking for, and I think you were kind of getting to this, is they're, they don't, it's not that they don't want it anymore. It's just that they almost, it's not as special to when it was when they didn't have it, right? Which I'm the opposite. I, I get that thing in hand. I'm like, this is mine. File it away. On to the next subject, right? So I don't know. I love the hunt, man. I think I think it's great. Uh, what I don't like is with new product. If you want to buy a box of cards or something, it's ridiculous, dude. It's ridiculous. It's it's just it's crazy. I I just I went to a card show this weekend and I was like I I want to I want to because I, I I think you know Mac Jones is is kind of cool. Like I think he's he's got a lot of potential and you know I'd like to get a couple of his cards it would be great to pull a good one out of a pack it'd be kind of fun and you know this weekend i I went to a card show all i wanted was a freaking hobby box of good football cards dude it could have been don russ it could have been um absolute i just wanted a hobby box dude i'm at a card show with like 50 tables everybody has the target ones the blasters and stuff like that i was like no man i want my swing at a gold period right 
I know that it's one in a quadrillion packs. I don't care. As a collector, I want to take my swing, right? Dude, that's crazy, man. Like, like it's crazy that you've got all these dealers there and nobody had hobby packs. Plenty of the other stuff, though. So I'm looking forward to that to, to ease up. Or if I want a, a hobby box of cards, you can get one. Yeah, I think, um, yeah, it, there's, there's this whole, um, the hunt. I feel like true collectors appreciate the hunt. And I feel like so much of the message around the hobby and the way maybe some content, the way some other things are built are they're built for this, like the, the liquid cards and like the market report, but like a lot of the stuff that interests, I think me and the stuff that I know interests you is just that rare um, Mm -hmm. stuff that like doesn't come up every often that doesn't fit inside the box that all these other people want to create. And I think to me, it's like servicing if the hobby can find a way to better segment and better service the that that collector, the people that don't really care of that the Zion Williamson PSA ten is pop twenty thousand right now, and the they people should have sold you know six months ago. Like, but like focus in on the rare collectible stuff and like the stories behind it and how that stuff's performing. I don't know. That's just me. Like I, I wish yeah. the hobby had more segmentation towards that specific uh, group of collectors. Well, yeah. I, and I love the, the, the opportunity to like, like, for example, if, if you pull a good card, right, maybe it's not the Mac Jones, but it's something else that's similar or good. And you can then maybe trade it for the one you want, or you sell it and use those funds to buy the one you want, whatever the case may be you now just have created a little trail of a story of that card. So then that way, when you go back to it, you can say, ah, oh, man, I remember how I acquired this. Because honestly, dude, I can go back to my, a lot of my really hardcore, like my really good Brady's and my really good Manning's, but some of my really, some of my best cards, I could sit here and tell you the story, how I acquired it. And most of it is not just, I went on eBay and clicked to buy it now. So I like that part of it. And, and I think that opening packs opens the door to those scenarios happening. And, you know, it's just getting packs the past couple of years. It's just, I, I have bought hardly any, which I actually, so speaking of packs, um, I was kind of bored the other day and I bought four packs of 2009 Tops basketball, bro, right? On eBay and they're coming tomorrow. So I don't know how familiar you are with that set, but that's Curry's rookie, right? They didn't have Topps Chrome. They put the Chrome cards inside the Topps packs, right? So they're coming tomorrow. So I'm kind of excited to rip those. Kind of a stupid buy because there's probably nothing in them. But I thought it was cool, man. They were there. They were hobby packs. And I'm like, man, I got to go ahead. So it's so my on that topic, um, my brother and I always like, well, we started a tradition that we like to open up some hobby boxes on Christmas day, just kind of let our hair down a little bit and, uh, oh, rip some packs last year. It was, uh, we opened up some 98 finest football. And so we're trying to decide like, what do we open up this year? And he sent me over a link to eat an eBay listing of, uh, of a box of Fleer brilliance, uh, 98. Right. Oh, yeah. Um, and you know, do I want like I think it was like maybe five hundred bucks, like so split it, you know, two fifty a pop, 
And I sat there and I'm like analyzing it and I'm like, okay, well, this, this hobby box obviously has like some of my favorite Mannings ever and potential Manning gets, but like, then I'd factor in like the odds in my head of like landing, like one of those, it's just astronomical. So I'm like, I'm like trying to reason myself, should I spend 250 on this or would that 250 be better applied to, um, you know, a card that I, I want to go after. And so like, I don't know, like, I feel like a couple years ago that when I was getting back in the hobby, I wouldn't have even th- thought twice about it. I'd said 250, let's go rip it. Let's have fun. But now I feel like maybe it's like, I don't know what it is. Like, I feel like I'm, I'm maybe not as fun in the hobby and may, maybe more rigid with what I want to do, but I need to find that balance. So it sounds like you're buying some packs. Like you're a high end collector. Like what inspires you to go out that just, you want to be a kid again, like go for the chance. Like what can I do to get back to that level? Cause I know it's fun. Uh, well, so I go in phases, right? Dude, I haven't bought packs in I don't even know, like a really long time because I get frustrated with, with kind of the, the current market of it. And like you said, 250 bucks, 500 bucks, dude, you can buy a great card for 500 bucks, right? And especially when you know, like deep down, you know, hey, you're going to open up that box brilliance. It's going to be a lot of fun, but there's nothing in there, dude. (laughs) (laughs) Like you have a box of commons. That's why I was like, I I, I always, I get people collect sealed wax and it's awesome. I think it's great, right? But I don't because in the back of my mind, you're like, okay, well, you probably have a pack of commons. Right? Like I get it still has wrapper on it. I totally get it. I understand. It's super collectible. I think it's awesome. But you know what? I think it's even better. Like Nat Turner's Turner. post of him opening a box. Like, you know, he'll, he'll, he opened a box of 96 Chrome basketball and he'll post the rip, like just five pictures. They're like my favorite posts, dude. Yeah, Literally my favorite posts. I mean, he's amazing and in so many other ways. But those posts are my favorite because, you know, it's just it's been sitting forever and who knows what's in there. And somebody opened it. These packs are made to be open. That's what I, that's how I feel. Rip them off. Yeah. I can't, I can't collect seal wax. I, I just be the only time I've like, the only time I've, 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 I acquired some, I think it was 20 um, Kyler's rookie 2019 prison football hangers. I, I bought like 70 of them on target when they went live on the e-commerce. And I was like, I'm going to get these. I'm going to resell them. It's like, I went back one Saturday and I just was like, this is fun. Like, this is a Saturday. I'm going to not sell these. I'm going to stay here and rip them. And, you know, of course I didn't get the Kyler red ice that I was going after and ended up with some other stuff. But I think it's like, it's paying for the experience, you know? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Dude, my, when my, when me and my brother were kids, he couldn't even wait to get in the car or he was ripping <laughs> whatever the hell we had, let, let alone getting home. Forget it. He was just <laughs> So, uh, so has there, has there been anything, um, I think like my storyline of this year has been just like the Brady market. Um, and I think a lot has happened this year in the hobby, just ups and downs. And I think more high end collectible stuff has seen increases in the commodity stuff has definitely fallen a little bit by the wayside. I think, has there been any like market signals or of things that you've seen this year that have either like validated what you you've been doing or how you operated or or might might be surprises um yeah yeah validated yes validated yes uh the the you know the brady market obviously and and not just brady manning any of these legends 
that have solidified their career, whether they play or not, right? The fact that they've solid, they've cemented their career in the history of the sport, right? Their cards have been steady, man. They either go up or they stay the same or, yeah, I mean, and, and it solidified the fact, okay, well, I'm going to spend a little more money here or, hey, I'm going to consolidate 10 decent cards into one high-end card because I've been doing that the past probably three years, right? Is where I would get cards that, that I've had for a long time and I would sell them and then turn them into one card. Take some money off the table, obviously, and then you know use whatever to turn it into to one big card or one or two big cards. So, and and that's where the, the hobby's going because people are getting educated, right? All the a lot of the, the people that have, have gotten back into this or um, are new and they're doing their research, doing their due diligence, they're they're understanding and realizing that. Supply and demand is it in this industry, as simple as it sounds. I mean, that's stating the obvious, but with a lot of these cards, the, 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 the rarer the cards, the better you have of maintaining a good store of value. Right? And I'm not saying the better you have this card going up 10x or 20x or whatever, um, which is true, but that's not the end goal. The end goal is to have a hobby that you enjoy and at the same time, you're not putting a stack of hundreds on the on the hood of your car and watching them blow off, you know? So so it's like a fine line between kind of putting all those together and making it work. The the um the like I know you're a collector and the maybe like talk about like your consolidation process when you take eight cards that you I know you've got passion behind what you buy. And yep. take taking those eight cards and being like, all right, I'm going to take these cards and turn it into this one card. Um, talk about a little bit like your process there, because I think I struggle and I know other people struggled. Is it you see the card you want become available and then it's like, all right, I need to sell these to get that. Or like, is it does it is it just finally like I'm done with these cards? I've been looking at this card. I'm going to go hunt for it now. Like. Talk a little bit about your consolidation process. So, no, I um, I kind of figure what I want to buy first, right? And I figure out, okay, you know, figuring out, okay, how much how much value or how much capital do, do I am I going to need to justify out of my collection to be able to buy X, right? So then I'll go through my stuff, and if I don't believe in the card anymore, it's a real easy decision. It's very easy, right? Um, but I also will make two piles. I make one pile that I sell through an auction house, right? Which I've used Wharf, who's awesome. And mostly I use PWCC, right? And I go through those. That's the, the auction pile because if I don't believe in the card anymore, I don't want any of my friends to have it either, right? <laughs> I know I'm a little weird about that, but like, I feel bad. I don't want, if I think, okay, well, this card's not going to maintain what it's been doing or it's on an upward momentum, this is a great time to sell it. I'm not going to push that on my friends. That's just not how I am, right? So, you know, I had like some Aaron Rodgers stuff that, that I've had for a really long time. Sent it all to PWCC because I think Aaron Rodgers is, is he's great. He'll, he's been a great quarterback, but I don't think five years from now, 10 years from now, he's necessarily going to be super valuable. That's my opinion, right? So I'm not going to try and offer those to my friends. Now, if I had, um, you know, a Manning or a duplicate Brady or, um, you know, Steph Curry, a Jordan, a Kobe, stuff like that. Stuff that I believe in that for some reason or another, I wanted to move it because I got a higher grade or I wanted to consolidate into something else. 
I would definitely offer those to my friend, right? So that's kind of the two piles. The thing is the friend pile doesn't really have many cards in it. <laughs> it rarely does because I'm holding on to those, you know? Um, and usually to get those out of me is if you've got something good, you know, that I want, like the captain's got a couple of good ones. My buddy Corey has gotten some good ones, um, which is fine. I mean, it's great. I love it. And I love to know that those cards went to my friend and they've appreciated in value, right? That's great. So it's better if if they go to PWCC, I don't know who buys them and that's fine. (laughs) Yeah. It's, that's a weird, uh, nuanced thing but i can totally appreciate that and then with like a a rogers like i don't know like sometimes like i've been in and out of these things it's like there are different seasons we have as collectors and like you were probably like you know high on rogers and then i don't know you just time prevails and he's a great quarterback you know one of the best quarterbacks ever but like you you start seeing and analyzing and then eventually it's like all right well there's a time to get out of everything and you just are like, okay, well, this is a guy I'd rather get rid of some Rogers and put that money into, you know, I don't know, Brady or Manning or whatever. Is that kind of how, how, how it's gone for you? hundred percent, man. And, and, and I bought him, I bought them all for a lot of them at the same time. Right. So I was like, okay, well, you know, Rogers, cause you remember at one point Rogers and Brady and Manning, um, Drew Brees, those guys were all, I wouldn't say the same, but they were all really similar. They were all competing for the same records. They're all competing for the same amount of rings, right? They're all competing for the same, same, same. So, so it was, you know, so a lot of cards that I purchased in that era and said, okay, well, Hey, these are really good cards. I mean, I like them, but they're good cards. And and if they sell five, six, seven, eight of these, I could turn them into one really nice X. Right. Um, And that's, kind of my mentality but yeah do i i don't i don't find the specific card i'm going to buy and then scramble that i don't do that i think that that's i think that's when you you sell out of i don't want to say desperation or fear but you almost sell out of desperation or fear where you're like okay well this thing's worth two grand but if i offered somebody fifteen hundred dollars right now they're going to take it, right I, I don't do that i let the mark i try to time everything the best i can and you know there's a lot of data out there that everybody knows now that again we get spoiled with all the tools and the technology that you could say okay well hey if i send these on during this month i think i'm going to get more money for them than i would off season whatever that data is out there it's not a secret doesn't make you a genius it's just using what's at your fingertips right the um a couple of topics i want to get to before we get out of here is one is the you've you've talked about the sword fights that happened on the auction <laughs> and just the the competition. And I think like, I love, and this is happening with me with like Manning and with some wrestling cards. Like I know who the competition is, but I like that because it, it shows that that market is strong. Like there are people that are willing to put their hard earned money when an, a badass card comes up. Like we talked about with the Manning group, it's like, um, you know, when, you know, a, a, a nice, PSA gold Manning comes up like no one <laughs> mentions it. And that means we're all going after it. Crickets. 100%. <laughs> Absolutely. Or, uh, or, any, or like the, the white sparkle too. That was another one. I knew that everybody was going to go after that one. Um, it's funny, which is one thing you cannot do anymore where you used to be able to do. And I, I mess around with Drake. We call it like the chubby bit, right? To where 
you can just, you would just bid some ridiculous number knowing you're going to overpay a little bit, but you're going to win. Right. So like, for example, if it's a thousand dollar card, you put in like a $7,000 bid, knowing that it might go to 11 or 1200, but you're going to win. Dude, you can't do that anymore because people do it. Right. Other, other people do it. Right. So you got to be really careful. You can say like, if you're going to, if you're going to throw in the chubby bid, right. You got to just be aware that you might actually way overpay, but I think it's good fun. I think that's what makes the hobby fun when stuff like that happens. But yeah, absolutely. Some sort of gold manning refractor goes up no reserve or any, anything that's playing years rare, whatever, you know, you know, for a fact, if it's up for like three or four or five hours and nobody says a freaking peep, you know, you're not going to hear anything until seven days and 25 hours later or whatever it is. And someone's going to say, Hey, who got that X? And it's usually, you know, one of two, two guys. Yeah. And I think like, and I'm going to, this is like something like, I think it's okay if, so I'll get some, I'll, from, I'll get texts. I'll get like not Instagram message, like people who have my phone number who will text me. And basically it's getting to the point where it's like, we have bit up each other for so long and there's a happy person and a, a sad person at the end of this. Like maybe we can get out in front of this and have a conversation about it before the auction is over with. And maybe that's a good, I don't know if you've experienced this, but like, is that, that's a good way to operate. So it's like, we know we both want this, but how about you take this one and then I'll come around the next one. Like, do you have any experience in that? So here's the thing. Yes. In, in, in the, in the business that I'm in professionally, we do that a lot with certain things. Right. And it works out beautifully, but at the same time, I'm doing it with guys I've done, been in business with for a very long time. Whereas I think when you sprinkle in emotion over the situation, there's no way in hell, Brett, you're going to get six guys to agree to that. It ain't going to happen. Not a freaking chance. Dude. What right? about one to so, one? One to one. One to one. One to one for sure, dude. For, I, I've done it with Drake. Absolutely. Uh, Car- Carter will pop up and say, hey, what do you I'll say, look, I, you know, he'll say, I'm really after this one or I would tell him if it was one that I wanted, like, hey, you go for it. No sense us costing each other a couple hundred bucks, right? Um, I've done that with him a couple of times, but I, I think it's great. I think one to one, you could absolutely do it. You and I, thousand percent, no questions asked, because that's a, that, that's just how I am. But I don't think everybody's like that. Not that it's a bad thing, because at the same time, people say, well, no, it's a, it's a public bidding site. The whole point of bidding is is to pay what you're willing to, to spend. Or to bid what you're willing to spend. And if you win, you win. If you don't, you don't. Because at the same time, too, you don't want to cost the seller any money either, right? But but yeah, I, I don't have a problem with stepping off anything that my friends want. Because, you know, there'll it, be another one, you know? There'll be another I, one. I support this practice because you know where the card will end up. And I think it's better that you know if, where the card will end up. Because it's a long game. It is a long game. and it's better to know where it's at and to lay off a couple because down the road, you might be able to make some moves with the person, you know, to end up getting that card. So I, I, it's kind of back to the theme that you said before. It's like, it's all a long game. It's better that you have the information than, than not or bidding up your, your friends. You know what I mean? Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, It's, it's definitely long for sure. Let's close out with this. One of the things that's been on my mind and I haven't really heard many people talk about it is like, the liquidity versus collectability. 
conversation. And like, one of the things I think about is like, you know, the 86 flare PSA 10 Jordan, right? Is that card collectible for sure? Is it liquid? 100%. It's it, they're not a big auction goes by without this card appearing. So I think just as people who spend money on sports cards and a lot of money, we, I think there's protections that we put in place to make sure that we're not buying one of these cards and the, the Jordan's just an example, but there's hundreds of them out there buying one of these cards at the wrong time. Uh, but I don't really hear the hobby, like uh, kind of dividing those two things, wh- whether it's uh, liquid or whether it's just collectible or whether it's both, maybe just like touch about touch on that, just like in your mindset when you're approaching a card. Um, Cause I think your experience and the way you look at it might be helpful to others. Yeah. So when, when I'm trying to determine the liquidity versus the collectability, I guess is what you'd say. Yep. Um, is it's got to have both, right? Because the collectability is, of course, the draw as to why you like it. Forget about the value or the cost or whatever. It's the collectability is, is, is why you want it. But the liquidity, too, is, is important to look at the future because you don't want to make dumb decisions. And I get people buy cards because they love it. And I understand that, right? And I think that you should put your own personal cap on, hey, I'm going to buy this, I don't know, Ricky Vaughn autograph from Major Leagues, right? Which is a card my brother bought and I broke his balls about it. But, you know, say, hey, I'm going to go buy this card, um, you know, that I don't think is ever really going to go anywhere in value, but I like it. I think it's cool and it'll look good in my PC versus saying, okay, well, hey, I'm going to go out and, and, and buy a, a Jordan, right? And which Jordan, if you use the Jordan 57, right? Okay, well, I understand that's obviously the probably the most liquid card in the hobby, probably the most, it's definitely, I think it's the most graded PSA card, right? Of the era. Um, okay, but the, the second step would be, well, which grade am I going to buy? Not just from a budget perspective, but why am I buying the card? Like the Jordan, I think that a Jordan should be in everybody's PC, right? For sure, hundred percent. Now, the grade is is a whole different is is a whole nother story because there's nothing wrong with a PSA one. In fact, I think a PSA one has a nice little kind of patina to it that could draw you back to 1986. Whereas if you have a gem mint one, right, or or a nine or an eight or whatever, then well, you know what? That wasn't how I remember the card. I remember the card. Being in, you know, have rounded corners, find it in a shoebox. So it just kind of depends. And there's no wrong answer with the 86, with the 86 clear Jordan. That's one of my favorite cards, right? But it's also a card that I sold, right? Um, I have another one, but I had a really nice one and I loved it and it's great, right? But I let it go. But I thought the market was ridiculous, right? I bought a lesser grade because for me, I know that I have a really nice PSA 8. That card checks that box for me. I'm happy with it. I'm satisfied. I don't want a 9. I don't want a 10. I don't care. Right? I just know that that's a staple card that most people should have in their, in their PC. Um, so, yeah, I mean, and, and, and I also know that, hey, if my mind does change and I want a 9 or I want a 10, right? I can easily liquidate the 8 and go buy the one that I want. So, that's another thing I always think about. Okay, well, when you determine, hey, this is this is the card that I want. How liquid is it on the buy and the sell? 
meaning how easy it is to find. Can I just go reach back and grab one? Can I just go on eBay and take my pick? Or am I going to have to set up push notification and wait three months for one to pop up? And the Jordan's the obvious answer. Um, so I don't know if that answers your question or not. No, it, it does. No, I, I appreciate the insight there. Um, before I let you go, get out of here, I'm going to put you on the spot. Who is going to be playing in the Super Bowl this year? And who is the Super Bowl champion? I'm going to go with Buck Patriots. And, uh, you know, I'm going to take Tom Brady. <laughs> of course, the saucy storyline where Brady prevails. I am shocked. Not at all. <laughs> Joey, you can follow him on Instagram at the E-Trader. Joey, thank you so much. Appreciate all the, all the knowledge and insight, buddy. Thanks, man. You got it. I could go on for days talking about cards with Joey. Hopefully you picked up something from that conversation. I know I had my notepad out, taking notes. I'm going to apply some of that to my day-to-day. It's always good to learn from others. That's what this show is all about. Have a great weekend. Happy collecting. Take care of yourself and take care of others around you. You know Stacking Slabs Podcast will be back next week.